Okay, pause. It's not. That didn't pause. It doesn't. Nothing I do on this thing Cardboard, well, the board gonna, game podcast. I was going to say, testing, testing, one, two, just to make sure we're good. We don't but, have yeah. to make sure we're good. We're I, recording. We're recording. We must be good. Unlike <laughs> last week's episode, or yesterday's episode. We found out what the buzzing was. So, I don't know if you noticed, <laughs> uh, when you were listening to our last episode, if you listened to episode zero, yeah, there was some horrible... Horrible audio quality. Turns out it was bees. Yes, we actually had a jar of bees. Funny enough, sitting right in between us. And, yeah, and you uh, just never noticed. That's so weird. So, I can't... The, the speakers on my laptop don't work when our microphone is plugged in. So, I had to unplug the microphone to listen to a test. And then we started... Unfortunately, rec- the yeah. microphone somehow never got re-plugged in. So, so we recorded the entire thing from a laptop microphone. Like 40 minutes of content. It was an introduction. Well, half an introduction. Most of it was talking about other things, which is good. I think we could also rename this the Tangent Podcast, because, I mean, this is just going to be tangent upon tangent. We're almost on topic. We're just still talking about the boardcast. That's true. So, yes, welcome to Cardboard, our board game podcast. Uh, today I'm Devon Body. Yes, and I'm Steve Davis. We are board game enthusiasts. That's the word. Or professionals. I Except wouldn't... I've never been paid, so I guess I'm an enthusiast. You haven't been paid? Not once. Whoa, okay, well, then that's awkward. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on. Yeah, so we have created this podcast to talk to you about uh, some of our favorite board games. And we're starting with a classic... Settlers of Catan. Settlers of Catan. What is probably considered, widely considered to be the best game, the number one game that everybody plays. It's complex enough for avid, experienced players, but simple enough for new players getting into board games. I kind of consider it like the gateway board game. Um, you mean after, like, Monopoly? Yeah, yeah, to getting it to get into like the really nerdy type of games right it's kind of the gateway like you have your classics monopoly clue and all that but this starts so it's before you go on to the harder stuff yeah yeah before you start getting into you know the dungeons and dragons right so while you still have some friends left history settlers of Catan actually won gamescon Game of the Century Award. Like, I mean, that's that's what it is. It's got to be doing something right to win Game of the Century. Game of the Century. Settlers of Catan was created by a gentleman named Klaus Tuber, a German man, German game board board game creator. Um, published in 1995 originally. He was 43 years old, and I just like to reference that because it's like. Whatever age you are, if you have a creative idea, go for it. That's that's honestly what I love about his story is that not only did he create like the most successful, arguably the most successful board game of all time, at least in popularity, he actually created four board games that won the German Game of the Year award uh, across his lifetime. So that's what I absolutely love about this guy. And um, Settlers of Catan won so many game Accolades. awards yeah <laughs> not just in 1995 in 1995 it won you know four different game of the year awards then 96 it won them and then in the 2000s it started winning more games uh more game awards so you know that's just well, to I show think its that's pervasiveness when it started getting more popular overseas yeah well yeah actually some of these awards that it won are actually i didn't look into them but they're clearly you know asian awards and he made it when he was 43 years old. I just, I love that story. 
Yep, there's still time for you. You can come out with your amazing idea. I think I'm just using it as a crutch for myself because I have all these ideas for games that, you know, we started and never finished. We should really work on and, and put that out become there. super successful. Yeah. Like Once we have an good. audience, we'll yes. let you play test it. All right, guys. Tune in. And uh, that's our podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> no, we're uh, just getting started. <laughs> yeah. Oh shoot. Okay. Sorry. In my head, I'm always thinking. You know, about you know, 20 minutes ahead. Yes. Devon, you told me today that Settlers of Catan actually got purchased. Yeah. Apparently, Mayfair Games, the publisher, uh, the uh, beloved publisher, <laughs> like Mayfair Games, is just like goes hand in hand with yeah, Settlers of Catan. Yeah. When you think Settlers of Catan, you're pretty much saying Mayfair Games. Yeah. Well, after many, many years, they're selling their remaining game catalog to Asmodee Games. Uh, sorry, Asmodee North America Games. Wow. They've picked up quite a few games lately. A and, whole bunch. What were some of those games that they had? Do you have the list there? Um, So, over the years, they have... Yeah, so they picked up a couple other companies as well. So they've snatched up Lookout Games, uh, the makers of Ericola, which is a game that I haven't played as of yet. But... Neither have I. But I think the other big one was that they have games like Days of Wonder, which we haven't played, but is actually really popular. Yes. Um, they have Ticket to Ride, which is like... Another has... quite popular board game. It has turned into like another gateway board game that I would call of yep. breaking into the nerd games. They've also got Dead of Winter, which I believe is a zombie survival board game. We haven't got a chance to play that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures game, which we actually just started playing. Which, which is a good is not, time. It's not a super popular one, but it's actually a lot of fun. Uh, and they also distribute Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh! card games uh, in Europe, right? Uh, yeah, that is correct. They have it in some European countries. Some European countries, but that's still huge. Like those are big games. Now, I mean, I don't know if they're super popular. Yeah, so in they're Europe, quite a but... big publisher. Yeah. So I mean, but the best thing is they still release the games under the original acquisition. So Settlers of Catan probably is still going to be released under Mayfair Games. Oh, so they just... just bought the company Mayfair Games. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's good. It's, it'll be interesting to see uh, if anything changes. Like, I don't know Or if much it'll just be a faithful recreation. But what, Asmodee, the company that has all these games? I mean, I love the games that they make, but uh, I don't know... Or at least that they distribute, anyway. I love the games, but I don't know if that's going to actually change anything about the game. You know, like, in... Disney buying Marvel and Star Wars-esque. I don't know if that means we're just going to get like more expansions and, and things like that. But, um, or if it'll just be more of the same. Yeah, exactly, right? That's uh, I wouldn't mind more expansions or you know alternative methods, which is something else we'll get into today. And a couple other things I wanted to talk about were that they do have um, a couple spin-offs. One notable that I've been meaning to buy for <laughs> like four years that I haven't is a uh, Star Trek Catan. Yes, it, we've walked past that a few times. Many, many, many times. In our local gaming store. Not, And that's the other thing about the pervasiveness of Settlers of Catan. Not just in our local gaming store. I've walked past it in Walmart and Target when we had Target in Canada for that, you know, two years. span. two weeks. Yeah. Uh, was it even two years, actually? I don't think it was. Um, you said two weeks. Yeah. I said two years. <laughs> But, like, yeah, so, like, even the spin-off games are making it into just, you know, regular retailers. Um, so that was one I actually really want to try. And it actually does say that it actually has some minor rule additions, which I always love little minor rule additions. You could always use additions. more rule additions. Uh, and, yeah, like, the game was super popular, Sellers of Catan, and it actually spawned a bunch of expansions. So the first one they did was the five- to six-player expansion, because the game is just, uh, it was three to four players. Then the new expansion actually gave a two-player version and then expanded it to be able to be played with five to six players. Then they came out with Seafarers of Catan, which we haven't played yet. But it just added ships and another, like, maybe two and spices more islands. And fishing. No, no, no. That is Explorers and Pirates. Right. I'm talking about Seafarers of Catan. No, yeah, that was the one with the uh, 
Just boats. Boats, and you would travel much, much further to a second. It, it did add the gold. It did add the gold. Um, then it added knights, uh, cities, and knights, um, which again we haven't played. Uh, we're moving the mic around a little bit. Sorry about that. Then the third expansion was traders and barbarians. Again, <laughs> we're losing all our credibility. Have not played the traders and barbarians. Um, it had extra small scenarios you could play. Well, we have then, to have something to play towards later. Exactly. This podcast is partially for us, so we just have a reason to buy more and more board games. Not that we need a reason. Devon just spent $300. And I'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> he just did, actually. He just spent $600. Then in 2013, they came out with Catan Explorers and Pirates. This one we have exp- we have played somewhat extensively. Really, Fair amount. Really fun expansion. Honestly, just adds two more islands, and it adds some spices to pick up. Adds fish you can go fishing. It adds uh, pirates of to fight. Pirates that you can fight. Gold to earn. Um, or your number and pirate not ships up. and pirate ships. So, a lot of cool options, features, uh, scenarios to add into that game. Uh, which right, I, and that game comes with like three or four different scenarios. That game, yeah, it does. It, it it gives you almost like the seafarer's version, which is just, hey, play this, play Catan with a boat. Then it says, hey, play the fishing version. Hey, play the spices version. Hey, play the pirates version. Then it's, hey, play all of it all together. So it has great. like five versions. The one where we play all the versions together, yeah, it takes like five hours. Like that game takes maybe four hours, but it takes a long time. Are you looking at Star Trek Catan right now? Yeah, I'm looking at Star Trek Catan. They also... This is a really cool one. Let me find it. In October of 2017, very recently, Variety reported that Sony Pictures was negotiating to acquire the rights to adapt it into a film. It being Settlers of Catan. Is there much plot there? Are we looking at another Super Mario Brothers the movie here? (laughs) I mean... Settlers of Catan is such a broad view of this island, right? You're building settlements and roads and cities, but you're not seeing any people in it. Yeah. So many of these. Make... Have... Well, you see the robber. <laughs> the robber's bigger than any of the pieces, but I mean that would have. Maybe it'll to... be a monster movie. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Oh, don't don't do that. I hope, really hope they don't do that. But yeah, so that's just kind of interesting that they're they're coming out with a movie. Okay, so what's our next... All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Rules. Um, So let's um, actually talk about how to play this game. I know we've talked a lot about the game, but we haven't said anything at all about what you actually do or what the goals are. Yes. So if you're unfamiliar with Settlers of Catan... The goal is to be the most successful settler, I would say. You start with a single settle, well, two settlements and a couple roads, and you compete with the other players to achieve 10 victory points. A victory point is earned by having a settlement, having a city, having the longest road, largest army, or even building certain buildings like a library or a university which are usually achieved through obtaining a certain card those are called those are development cards development cards yes cover that in a little bit so yeah the basics are there are five resources Uh, there's wood brick wheat sheep and ore and you need to collect these resources to build things in the game like a wood and a brick make a road. To build a settlement, you need one wood, one brick, one sheep, and one wheat. And if you want to upgrade that settlement to a city... Add in some wheat, you add in some ore, and you add in some sheep. That's a development card. Wait, which one am I thinking? <laughs> We're talking about a city, which is <laughs> right, three which is ore... Right, wheat and ore. Three ore and two wheat. If you want a development card, which is a, a deck of cards that give you different that have different effects or different points, you would trade in one ore, one wheat, and one sheep. You get these cards, which 
have different things like knights, which uh, will affect the thief in the game, which we'll talk about in a bit. Or they'll give you an ability to uh, take cards from other people or from the deck. And they can also even just give you victory points. That's where you get the things like the library and, and whatnot. Those will be cards that give you extra points towards your Or my favorite card, card, Monopoly. Monopoly, where you steal all of one type of card from every player, which is uh, really great. I was actually playing the online version. There is actually an app, the game Catan Universe. Uh, I was playing against some pl uh, people earlier today, and I got the Monopoly card. And uh, it's only It usually turns out quite well in most It was only a three-player game, but I got three wood out of it, and I was able to trade in some wood for a brick and make a whole road out of it, which was pretty awesome. I lost that game, but I almost won it. Should have called for something different. Yeah, well, I didn't. It's built on a actual hex map of an island, the island called Catan, and you create roads across the borders of these hexes, and each of these hexes has the resources, and you can settle on the corners of the hexes to gain the resources. And then you would guess, how do you get these resources? That's an excellent question. Well, each hex has a number on it from 2 to 12. Anywhere from 2 to 12. And these are all the different numbers you can roll on a pair of dice. Um, Six-sided six dice. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another episode. If you didn't know that there were dice with more or less than six sides, we'll cover that in a different episode. Maybe but its own episode. I actually have hundreds of them. History of dice. Yeah, ooh, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, so every at the start of every turn, every uh, each person rolls a die. No, the person whose turn it is rolls the dice. Uh, and whatever number comes up, whoever is settled on a tile uh, with that number gains the resource of that tile. That Except there's no seven. There is no seven. Let's get to the seven in a bit. It doesn't matter how many people are settled on that thing. Each of them will get one resource for every settlement on and that. And two for each city. Yeah, so it doesn't matter how many people are on the tile. Everyone gets uh, a certain number of resources from that tile. And there must be multiple tiles with that number. And whatever resources is there, everyone who's settled on one of those tiles gets a resource. As Devon said, there's no seven. Why is there no seven? Well, there's no seven because that is the number of the thief. The thief! It has a few effects. So when you roll a seven, any player with eight or more cards loses half of those cards. They get to choose which ones they lose, but Rounded they still down. lose half. Rounded down, we should say. So if you have nine cards, you'll lose four, but you still lose half your cards. And then the player who rolled the seven gets to move the thief to any hex they'd like. And if that hex has a settlement of one of the other players, they also get to take one card at random from their opponent. And now any time that number is rolled, that particular resource is blocked. The thief steals that resource. As... It's treated as if it has no number. Yes, so they can't get any resource from that tile until the thief is removed. Um, and it gets rolled again. You don't get to just save them up for when the thief moves. Oh, you mean like <laughs> once the thief moves, you get all the, the, the numbers that were rolled? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, they, they, they're they gone. The thief Turns steals them and that's it. Turns into, you know, free parking. That is the game in a nutshell. There are obviously a lot more aspects to it that we could cover, but they're more the specifics, like the different development cards. I guess the one big one of the development cards is the knight which allows you to move the thief when you play it to any other tile. Um, and steal a resource. And steal a resource the same way as if the thief was moved with a seven. And once you have three or more knights that you've played, they stay on your side of the, the table, you actually get the largest army card. And you keep that card until someone has a larger army than you. So if someone has four knights, now they have a larger armor than you. And they get that card. And that card is actually worth two victory points. And uh, there's another similar card, but for roads. So once you have five or more connected roads, you get longest road. As soon as a player increases the amount of roads that they have connected to them, they take the card from you. Yes. And that is also worth two victory points. Yes. So that's, for, at least with us, the way we play with our friend... Uh, that is the most common card. The The largest army isn't 
always in play with us, but Longest Road is. Specifically because you can't just build a road in the middle of nowhere. It has to be connected to the roads you put down at the start, right? So this tends to lead to building long roads in a connection. But we don't always play a lot of night cards. Some um, games are very night heavy. Yes, some games are very night heavy. It just it it's usually those games where you are on one or two of those resources pretty heavily, like the uh, sheep or wheat or ore. Yeah, uh, tends to be the ones that you just if you get a lot of those, you'll end up buying a lot of development cards. Uh, yeah, that's really the the game. In oh, a except we missed one extra thing. Which is trading in resource cards. Oh, trading resources. So you when can... you have an excess of resources, you might want to trade them in for another one. So normally you can trade four of any one type of resource for one of another type of resource. Yes, and obviously that's a bit expensive, but sometimes it is a necessary step to take, especially if you're on a resource tile that gets rolled a lot and you have an excess. It's a good way to keep your cards, uh, card numbers low. Trading cards is all part of strategy. That's true. But you can also trade with other players. So when it's your turn, you can ask other players if they'd like to trade uh, resources. Um, and maybe you can get a better rate than four to one. Yeah. Usually you can get a one to one or a two to one ratio, uh, depending on the needs of the other player and the uh, uh, how much they actually like you, how competitive they're actually playing at the time. But then but, you might ask, what if I don't want to trade with the other players? What else could I do? Yeah. And if you find that a four to one ratio is just way too high, you have some other options. There are areas of the map that you can settle that are ports onto the ocean. And there are two main types of ports. One would be the three to one port, which works the same way as any, you know, trade in to the bank, except on a three to one ratio instead of a four to one ratio. Giving you a little extra to work with later. It actually is a huge difference. <laughs> it actually makes a big, big, big difference. But so, what if I don't want to trade three to one? Can't you lower the price? I think I can. I can lower the price to two to one. There are five ports on the map, one for each resource. One wood port, wheat port, brick port, sheep port, and ore port. Those ports allow you to trade that specific resource for any other resource at a rate of two to one. Two to one? That's like I don't even need the other players. That, it actually comes... <laughs> oh, we're doing like an infomercial. Okay, so yes. Uh, so a two to one is actually amazing because very often you're going to settle on a resource that's going to be rolled a lot. Like sixes and eights are rolled uh, quite commonly. I find, I find sixes rolled more but fives and nines are rolled pretty commonly as well. So sometimes you're going to find that you're just getting one resource over and over and over and over. It, it becomes a good idea to settle on that port so that you can trade that in at a rate of two to one because players aren't always going to want to trade with you <laughs> on a rate of two to one or one to one. Not if it will make you win. Exactly, exactly. In this game, the, the game I played earlier today online, I totally traded with the guy I was trying to be nice and just trade and then I gave him the resource to block my road to the three to one port so that was a dumb move on my part yeah I think that covers our basic rules if you haven't noticed we have a few different segments in our podcast uh, so we're done with the rules overview and we are running let's very take a long quick break we'll take a quick break and we'll talk to you on the other side Custom rules. And now we're moving on to our segment, which would have been called opinions slash general discussion. Slash strategies. Well, slash. now we're adding strategies, alternative gameplay, and our favorite personal experiences and or mistakes. Uh, or, you know, goofs in the game, which we have lots, but we play the geek, these games so much that I don't think I could possibly... <laughs> think of a specific uh, instance of a you know a screw up that we had. Well, I can think to my first game, where I settled almost exclusively on ore, which didn't quite <laughs> work out for me. <laughs> no, 
until late into the game. When suddenly cities become much more valuable. Well, I was gonna say that may that would give you such a slow start because none of the um, things you need to build at the beginning of the game need any ore. Yes, but I was able to get cities fairly quickly by trading the ore away. Yes. For more wheat, mm-hmm. which worked out pretty nicely. Yeah. I still lost the game, but it was at least a close game instead of. A wash. That's and that's fair. Uh, my first, my first game ever. I actually, I, like, I didn't know what I was doing, so I settled a, I settled on a brick. Uh, I think it was a six. And man, I absolutely owned brick in that game. No one else could get brick, and I eventually fully settled that thing. I had a, <laughs> I had all three settlements and I think even a couple cities so every time that six got rolled I got three resources then I upgraded to a city and I got four resources and five and so yeah I just owned brick anyone who needed brick had to go through me or trade it away to the bank which was at a much higher rate right right so you can get whatever you need from the other players exactly so that's I kind of took that I accidentally won my first game because I just settled on a resource that got rolled a ton um, and actually, Devon, I actually got a new app that will allow us to track the roles that we have in each game, which we always talk about at the end of right. each game. We always talk about which uh, which numbers got rolled more or less. I actually just got an app that specifically for settlers that tracks all the different roles. So that'll be fun to look back on after every game. Right. Grab some statistics. I always love statistics. But I so took I that. See how bad of a roller I am. Yes, uh, Devon is known f- notoriously in our group of friends for being a bad dice roller in every game yeah. we play. Doesn't Whatever not just I need to roll, I roll the opposite. Yes, so he's a. That's why we love him because he helps us out so much in winning our games. <laughs> hey, I still manage to win a lot. You I just do have to rely on trading. Yes, <laughs> and of course, the one game you never win is the one game that we play that has no dice, Dominion. Yeah. <laughs> and I will cover that in another uh, another episode. But yeah, I took that uh, strategy that I accidentally learned, uh, and that's what I like to play, is I'm going to settle a brick and a wood. Um, always have brick and wood resources. Like, you might be able to get by with without settling on... At least at the start, you get two... I don't think we even covered that. You get two settlements at the start of the game. That came up, I think. I think you covered it, yes. Yeah. But um yeah, you don't like you can get by without covering some resources cuz you can trade, you can build your way there. But brick and brick and or sorry, brick and wood you need. Uh that's to build Definitely. roads. That's that's your your bread and butter because right there. You at there. least need one more road to build another settlement. Exactly, right? You cuz you have one road from each of your settlements that's not far enough away to build another settlement. So you need at least one more road, like you said. So it's uh, that's my starting strategy. And if you can get... Uh, <laughs> you know what? In the gameplay, we didn't talk about setup at all and how the setup rules work. Who needs the setup? Yeah, right? who needs? Just start playing. <laughs> uh, no, the setup rules I'll really quickly touch on because I actually kind of like them. They're, they're, they're a little bit different than normal setup rules. Um, every player gets to settle, gets to put down one settlement, or well, sorry, we two settlements. Talk about putting down the board first. Oh my goodness, we didn't talk about any of this. Well, this this is good because that's one <laughs> of our different alternative ways to play right. uh, with our setup. So yes, yeah, so the settlers of Catan is actually made up of different tiles. Um, we talked about the hexagons. There are four wood, four sheep, four wheat, three brick, and three ore, and one desert. I actually know this by heart. I do not. I did know that. (laughs) Um, Yes, that's how many tiles there are. And the desert obviously has nothing. That's where the thief stays until he gets rolled. Um, And then there are, I think, six... Yes, there are six um, wood pieces... Cardboard pieces to go around that signify the water and have the the ports on them. Um, The game gives you a default setup... Which is usually quite fair. Um, it's it's a very fair setup um, of between the tiles and the numbers. There are number icons that signify the number that you need to roll to get that resource, as we covered. Um, and yeah, and they they give you that base setup that you put down, which 
kind of evens out where the, the resource tiles are placed and evens out where the number tiles are placed. So, you know, you're not settling on a two sixes and, a, and an eight in one section, right? Um, because uh, yes, Which is every, my favorite strategy. Yes, that is a great strategy because every settlement should border on anywhere, anywhere from two or usually three different tiles, uh, unless you're on the border or um, the desert. Or the desert, yes. Um, so, so some of these uh, peripheral apps that I mentioned earlier actually are apps that uh, will build you a fair setup. So it'll it'll randomize the tiles and numbers, but um, in a way that keeps it fair. Like you're not gonna have like one big forest all on one side that only you know two people can settle, right? It spreads them out as well as the numbers. So that's why some of these apps are kind of good for maybe some new players who want to do that. Um, but for us, what we really like to do is randomize it. Um, and there's actually a few ways we do this. Uh, Devon, why don't you cover that? Custom rules. So, one of the favorite ways of doing this is to randomize the hexes. So instead of placing them face up like you normally would, at the start of a game, we fa place them all face down. So we can't see the resources. So you can't see what resource is there. You can see where the ports are still, and we would place our first piece, and then when we place our second settlement, that's when we would flip them over. But only the settlements, only the hexes that have settlements on them. I just realized, I started explaining the setup, and we jumped to tiles, and now we're talking about setup, and people still don't know the setup. So let me jump on the, <laughs> let's talk about the setup first, so that people understand how this works. <laughs> I think I got the gist of it. Place one tile on any intersection of a hex that you'd like. Not one tile, one settlement. Sorry, one settlement and a road connected to that settlement on any intersection of the hexes you would like. Yeah, that's not the part as I'm talking about. As long as it's a, not beside another settlement. Yeah, so the 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 way I... The, the, the reason I like the Catan way of setting up is that um, everyone gets two settlements and two roads. Um, each road has to be connected to one of those settlements. Um, but you only place one at a time. So if I go first, I place one settlement where I want it and then one road going out from that. Then Devon goes next. And I and would place one settlement and one road going out from that, but it has to be at least two spaces away from exactly. Stephen's first settlement. Yes, but it still can be on one of the tiles uh, that I settled. But then the next guy will go and he'll do the same thing. And so on and so, so on, on, depending on how many players you have. So if we have three players, he's the last player, so he places his first piece down and his first road. Now, uh, for us all to place our second piece, that last player goes again, and he'll place his second piece. And wherever he places his second piece, he gets one of each resource that he just settled on. And still gets to put down the road. With and that of course, and, and the road connected to that settlement. Then it would go back to Devon, who is the second player. He would place his second, um, his second settlement, get one resource for each one that he's on, and his second road he puts down. And then it goes back to me, the first player. So I kind of like that it goes up and then it goes down, just to kind of make it fair, a little bit more fair yeah, for so uh, selection of uh, the tiles. So maybe you don't get all the best numbers, but you might get to start with a road or most of a settlement. Yeah, exactly. Which uh, is, you know, it's actually fairly fair. Um, okay, well, <laughs> it was kind of a nightmare explaining how this game works, uh, but if you it's stuck really, it out... It's really, really quite simple. It really is. Don't trust <laughs> us. Go play the game. It's very worthwhile. Um, but okay, so Devon... Uh, you started talking about how we uh, yeah, so randomize the game. Basically, we would make sure no one knows what any of the hexes are before the game actually starts. But one thing we did uh, that would help that was to put the numbers down face up. Yes. So, so that you would know what numbers you're settling on, but you wouldn't know what, heck, what the resource is. And I like that because it then forces you to play 
in a style that you might not normally play. Like you might flip these over and realize, okay, well I just settled on two sheep and a wheat. Um, I don't have anything to build roads with, but okay, I gotta start, you know, banking on all these sheep and wheat that I'm gonna get. Right. But then another way that we randomize it is that we see the tiles as normal. We would we do randomize where the tiles get placed. So we'll shuffle them up without being able to see them and then place them down in a randomized fashion. We usually personally, completely unfair. Yes, usually. There's like a mountain rage going right down the middle with all the ore and it's like, okay, well this sucks. Um, but that's just how we prefer to play it um, with a full randomization just to make it harder. Um, but then we won't see the numbers. So sometimes that that will force us to you know settle on the resources that we want, um, but then once the numbers turn up, my re like so Devon said earlier, I might be on a twelve, eleven, and a two, and it's like well I'm probably not going to roll those ones very but then often. Those are always the games where nothing comes up but twelve, eleven, and two. Well, yeah, very very <laughs> often. We're well, just well roll double sixes, double sixes, double sixes all day. Um, but yeah, so those are some of the ways we like to kind of randomize the game. And then we'll do, we've done full blind, where you can't see the resources or the numbers. Those games, honestly, are just painful and not they really fun. They tend to take too long because where you placed is usually a port and some other random place. It would, or it's either just way too long or one person just got lucky and just plows over everybody. Yeah. Like wins 10 to 2 to 1. Like, you know, like how did you get one re one one victory point? You start with two. Um, I don't know. But yeah, that's... Uh, it's those bad rolls. Yeah, and those are... We, we love to kind of push the limits on a game and play it in a different way than, you know, some of the game designers intended because, I mean, but I think that's one of the one of the beauties of playing a more board game is that you can have house rules exactly like you know the monopoly land on go get double money that is not in the rules of monopoly that is a house rule that has become so pervasive that it that made it to the rules of monopoly i don't think it is in the rules actually i think it's in the optional rules nowadays it might be but i think it's also like just so widely known that most people play with that rule it's going to be those like one-off people are like, what are you talking about? It does Double money good. on land on go. What are you talking about? But that's it. That's the beauty of these games that the the rules allow for um, some bending or even breaking of the rules to to play it in a different way. And that's one of our favorite ways to play games outside of the realm that the the, the game creator uh, uh, intended. Well, when you create a game, I think you do expect your players to take what you've made and run with it. Yes. I mean, sure, the first few times you want them to play through the rules just so that they get an idea of what your intention was. But then after that, feel free to mix things up and change something you don't like for something that you do like, as long as you're not completely getting outside of the theme of the game. I would hope that's the case. I would I would hate if Klaus Tuber would like walk in on us playing at random like, no, what are you doing? My beautiful game is ruined. Flip the table. You can't do that. Right? <laughs> like that would be terrible. I mean, it would be interesting to see. That would be actually kind of cool for like, I would be laughing. I'd be so happy just that Klaus Tuber was there. Like, Show us how to play the game the yes, right way. Please play with <laughs> us. Please allow me to play with Klaus Tuber. I you, I would hope he trounces us. I would. I don't actually want to beat. The I think creator I could take him. Catan. I think I could too, but I don't want to be. I don't want to beat the creator of Catan at his own game. It's just like I would be so. Isn't sad. that the goal of every player? Especially since he's like sixty-five, almost sixty-six years old. Like I just feel bad beating an old guy at his own game. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I know, but he's not my dad. It's not chess. <laughs> that's that's a normal thing. You beat your dad at chess. You know you're a man now. <laughs> we yeah. never played chess. Then you're not a man yet. You got to go play chess with your dad. No. <laughs> Wait, unless he doesn't know how to play. Ooh, then maybe I could beat him. Maybe you're in a long line of just not man, mans. <sighs> yeah. Maybe there's no man in the body family. Because no chess. That's that's it. These are the these are the unwritten rules of of manhood, man. I never read them. <laughs>
That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, tune in next week for our live play of me defeating my father at chess. That's not true. I beat him once, but I he may have... No, he didn't let me win. He would never do that. But I probably completely lucked out. But he probably wasn't paying attention. I think he was watching the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, that was... And I only won because he knocked all the pieces off the table. (laughs) (laughs) By accident. That's how I won. That's what happens when you get those fumbles. You scream and yell at the TV and suddenly the chessboard's on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Those are some of my favorite... uh... (laughs) <laughs> favorite and least favorite games that we play of Catan is just getting like one person like can't get any of the roles right like they're not getting any resources and they're just quiet for like 40% of the game or 50 or 60% of the so game they're just they're thinking just, how can I win without no, any resources they're just mad <laughs> absolutely just mad that the roles and every time a role comes up and it's not theirs they're just like I can't believe this this garbage that is happening in this game. That's uh, uh Hey, but there's been so many cases where you would come back from something like that. Oh hell yeah. But uh suddenly your numbers come up. Yeah, oh for sure. It's uh that's that's why I'm so excited about this app that tracks our roles, because like the roles are so frequent that you don't actually well, I guess we could just get a checkbox. Just but whatever well, this one like. counts it, and you, and it, it actually has like a graph of all the different roles from two up to twelve, and, it, and it's it's actually a really cool, uh, really cool app. Um, so yeah. we could see if we're in a standard deviation of the actual spread. I did three tests. Only one of them was seven, the highest. Two of them, six was the highest, hmm. with eight right there next to it, and then seven was like third. Nines right. and nines and ten nines and fives were pretty up there. And then if you kept doing that, I'm sure it would normalize. Anyway, it, it, I did it over a roughly eighty each time, eighty rolls. All right, that's enough for a test. Yeah, it was a decent. I think it was a decent number. This is probably all going to get cut. This is really boring. I think so. I don't think people are going to want to hear about standard deviation of dice rolls. Hey, it's something that's very important to how this game works. It's actually something... You need to know which numbers will come up to settle on those. If I just cut all this out, I just cut out a big conversation we had about... Three-minute conversation we had about... uh, Mathematics. Mathematics. And statistics. And the standard deviation of... uh, two six-sided dice rolls yeah. uh, which should be seven at the top because there are uh that is the most common number you can make with two dice yes six-sided dice maybe you roll nothing but twelves that... or like me and roll nothing but twos <laughs> that's why you always settle the two and it never happens nope yep only when someone else is on the two that's true yeah when someone else is on the two that's like get right on there you guys always roll four anytime i'm on a four there's like there's a good stretch of the game where it's just fours are getting rolled. That's like, why we need to keep track. I think we've even have it like those are the fun ones where, um, like what it's whatever number it is, typically not a six or an eight or a five or a nine, where it just gets rolled. Like it'll go like we'll go around the board like and once, it'll be like and everyone. Be, everyone will roll that number, even even sometimes into like a second rotation on the board. That number just keeps getting rolled. And those are the freaky instances. Those are the instances you want to be on that port. So you can just start trading that stuff. Or at the end of that, it someone rolls a seven and you just yeah. lose all your cards. And you lose everything because you wanted to wait another go yeah, around the yeah, table. Yeah, because you still didn't have enough to do anything. That is that is the beauty and the horror of Settlers of Catan. Um, I think we've kind of covered everything. we talked about everything that we need to talk about. I think so. Well, if you really think about it, we didn't need to talk about any of this. No. But just we go wanted to. go out there to. and play the game. That's... You'll see what we mean. That's the thing. Listeners, please. If uh, if you want to have a, you know, a party, but not like a, you know, house party, because, you know... A gathering of friends. I was going for a joke there, but thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you just want to get some people together... Get a board game. It is honestly 
some of the most fun you can have. Grab, go to your local Walmart, grab Settlers of Catan. No, sorry. Don't go to, go to your, your local, local hobby shop. Go to your local, local comic store. It is honestly one of the toughest businesses that anyone can start. And uh, it's incredibly difficult to actually make a profit in a comic store. Um, so please, go to your local comic store. Um, if you're in the uh, GTA, yes, it's actually tough to find decent ones. If you're close to downtown, there are actually a bunch of good ones. I can't remember where any of them are. Now, you say GTA, but people could be listening to this anywhere in the world. So, yes, I said, so GTA <laughs> is the greater Toronto area. Sorry, we live uh, in or around Toronto, Canada. I hate it when people say Toronto, Canada. Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Thank you. <laughs> well, it is the capital of Canada, isn't we it? Li- no, it's not. I- wow. Yeah. We just lost all our non-Toronto Canadian <laughs> listeners. Goodbye, everyone. No. No, we know it's Ottawa. Ottawa. It's no, just- I know it's Ottawa. I don't believe you. I think you, ju- I think you took a shot at it and based your next answer on my reaction. Um, no, we are the largest city in Canada. But uh, just to keep all don't the Don't tell Vancouver. Don't tell Vancouver. Don't tell Montreal. We are actually, by population, the largest uh, <laughs> the largest city. But just to keep our Vancouver and Montreal listeners, we are the worst city in Canada. Okay? There. I'm now, pretty sure that's general the consensus of the rest of the country. <laughs> except out of Toronto. <laughs> Outside <laughs> Toronto, everyone hates Toronto. That's just it. Um but yeah, support your local comic store. So if you're if you're outside the Greater Toronto area or inside the Greater Toronto area, I do recommend going to the Comic Warehouse. It's on Steeles Avenue at uh, Dixie Steeles and Dixie. Great place. It's a comic store by name, but man, do they have a ton of board games. And so many of I've never heard of before going in there. Yes, and we picked up a few and had great time absolutely now we know their stuff so you just ask one of the employees there and they'll set you up yes and actually we will cover uh, another popular board game ticket to ride in a an upcoming episode um but actually a couple of the guys at this comic uh, store got to play test uh one of their expansions i forget which um, but yeah, they actually play tested it, got their names on the box and under the credits. So really cool for them. But please, yes, um, uh, support your local uh, hobby shop, comic store, um, game store because that's a it's a tough business to uh, to run. Uh, but again, it is hard when <laughs> when Amazon has things at half the price. Yeah, can't I can't argue. It's with hard that. to compete. Very very much is. But on the upside, you get it the same day. That's true. Walk it. Well, even that's hard to argue with. I just had a conversation with a friends where if I order on Friday, I get it on Saturday. Like, yeah, I'm... but you could order it on <laughs> Friday and play it on Friday. Well, you could, I guess, if you want to pay extra. Yeah. So get Amazon Prime, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Cardboard has been brought to you by Amazon Prime. Get it today. That's not true. We were not sponsored by Amazon Prime, but at all. Amazon Prime, if you are listening and would like to sponsor us, we will take you in a heartbeat. Because we're sitting in a car. Yeah, we can use a studio in the dark, and it looks like we're making out because all the windows are fogged up, except for mine. Still, my window is not fogged up. I guess you actually clean that one. I think it's because I'm sitting almost in the back seat. Possibly because I have a steering wheel in the way. Or you're not breathing. I might be dead. Hmm. And this is all just gas escaping, I guess. Let me... Wait. No, I can see myself in the mirror. I'm still alive. Good to know. Okay. Well, settled that. Thank you, everyone, for uh, enduring through this uh, crisis I had where I thought I was dead. All right. Uh, that's it. listening to the Board Game Podcast Cardboard. No, it's Cardboard, the Board Game Podcast. I thought it was Board Game Podcast Cardboard. It is board cart. Oh damn it! <laughs> it is cardboard. The board game podcast because right. podcasts were created by Devon Body. Uh, yeah. So do not fact check. Yeah. So you can. Uh, by the time this comes out, I will have created cardboard. The board game podcast Facebook group. 
So please join us there. Um, you can reach us there. You can reach out to me uh, at sweep117, uh, sweep like sweeping the floor, on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is not that interesting if you don't really know me, but, you know, I If you do, do it's like, hilarious. It's amazing. Though I've it, never seen it. No, that's true. <laughs> you are featured on it. We actually have our own hashtag. Hmm. Yeah. I was never told of this. Yeah. I told you this. <laughs> I was never told of this while I was paying attention. Well, yeah, exactly. But you said okay, and so I got your consent to put your face on the internet. Yeah. It doesn't sound like me. Anyway, <laughs> find us on social media. I'm going to have to go download Twitter when I get home just in case someone actually, you know, follows me. Yeah. I guess I should do the same. Yeah. And come up with a handle. Yeah, find out what your Twitter is and Which we'll... Which will be here up. next time. We'll also put it on the Facebook group, maybe. I'll forget. That's okay. Um, yeah, anyway, more than one handle, right? We suck at outros, man. We're just going to talk forever. This is an outro. Yeah, I know, but we suck at it. But we're not talking about the topic, and we're heading towards the end of the podcast. But we're always heading there and never getting there. Yeah. But it's we, like approaching infinity. What, okay. I, I had a really good idea where I was just going to cut us off in the middle, but this is our first actual podcast, so may not be understood. <laughs> I would understand it. Yeah, well, you're in the podcast, and we've also been friends for 20 years. Yeah, I mean, we want to be friends with you for 20 years. Yes, so, let's so do the same. Do the same. <laughs> like us on Facebook, and goodbye. Thanks for listening. All right, this is Cardboard. The Board Game Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>